welcome to Revolutionary Women. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. Abby J. Pariser attended Barnard College, receiving her BA in American History in 1967. She also received her MA in 1975 at Roosevelt University in Chicago. Abby participated in the movement against the war in Vietnam during college and, ma- and became part of Chicago Women's Liberation Union at its founding in 1968. She joined Chicago Abortion Counseling Service, a.k.a. Jane, in 1970 and worked counseling women and girls needing abortion before the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision in 1973, making abortion safe and legal in all 50 states. She started a Planned Parenthood clinic with other women in Wheaton, Illinois, and worked from 1974 to 1979. Abby became a member of NOW, National Organization for Women, and worked in many Democratic campaigns from 1968 to now. She helped start and run Huntington, New York after-school care, was involved in many PTAs, and wrote AIDS education grants. Abby supports the ACLU, volunteered in Huntington Interfaith Homeless Coalition, sheltering homeless during the winter months. She was part of Suffolk Abortion Rights Coalition. Abby has been a board member in Kahilat Shalom Reconstructionist Synagogue from 1986 to now. She's been married to Peter Golan since 1967, has two children and two grandchildren. Hi, Abby. Welcome to Revolutionary Woman. How are you this afternoon? Hi, Tess. I'm just fine, thank you. I'm so glad to, uh, that you're able to stop by on the show. Um, okay, so let's get started. I, w- I have a lot of questions for you. So I read that you're from Scarsdale, New York. Um, I grew up in New York as well. What was it like growing up for you in Scarsdale? Well, it was suburban, and it was um, pretty homogenous. Um, almost all white people, upper middle class, a mm-hmm. big emphasis on education, Mm-hmm. And um, also, I uh, was not a wild child, but we lived near some woods and some gardens and so forth, and I uh, spent a lot of time outdoors. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and I read that you took up modern dance, ice skating, you went to Girl Scouts, you went to day camp, <laughs> and then two years at sleepaway camp. Now, did any of these experiences make an impact on you? Um, well, I think it provided different aspects of culture and civilization, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Sleepaway camp um, were mostly the the same kinds of people, upper middle class people who could afford it, after mm-hmm. all, right. um, with sports and sleeping in bunk beds. I mean, the whole sleepaway camp thing. Okay. Yeah. And then I read that you went to Barnard College and got involved with the Independent Committee Against the Vietnam War. How did you get involved with that committee, and what were you hoping to accomplish? Well, with with the committee, um, we were trying to uh, influence the Congress mm-hmm. to, to stop the war. I mean, it was a terrible war. Mm-hmm. We're talking about um, when I was involved in this, 1965-66-67, I mean, the war continued to 1975, as you yeah, know, with yeah. terrible uh, effects on the people of Vietnam right? Yeah. And, and our soldiers, certainly. Wow. 
Okay, then you got married and moved to Chicago, Illinois, and joined the Chicago Women's Liberation Unit, uh, Union. What was the mission behind that, uh, behind the Chicago Women's Liberation Union, and why did you join it? Well, it, it seemed like by then I was aware that many of the social movements were not aimed at helping or aiding women to become full participants in society. I mm-hmm. mean, you may have heard of um, Betty Friedan's mm-hmm. book um, yes. and, and um, the kinds of things that went on then when uh, women were 2 to 3% of any in- entering class uh, in medical school or law school or mm-hmm. business school wow. and um, kind of relegated to what we call the pink-collar ghetto, mm-hmm. uh, beauty parlors, librarians, um, wow. teachers, not that those are bad careers, right. just that if, yeah. the, if that's all you're uh, allowed, mm-hmm. allowed's not the right word, but if, if that was all that was available to you, mm-hmm. it was limiting your humanity. Right, yeah. So were you always passionate about social justice, and were your parents also passionate about social justice issues? Not really. I think mm-hmm. they were pretty horrified that <laughs> I was involved in this demonstrations and going to Washington and demonstrating in parades, not parades, but, you know. Marches. Um, marches, mm-hmm. and um, I, I went up to <clears throat> New Hampshire in February of 1968 on the to hope to get Eugene McCarthy to be the viable candidate for the Democratic Party against Lyndon Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, my my parents were just stunned that I uh-huh. would go somewhere on a bus with who knows who, uh-huh. sleep on somebody's attic floor, and yeah. go door-to-door campaigning. They, they had never heard of that. Mm. Wow. Well, okay, so... I read that the organization you joined started the um, the pregnancy testing unit, and that's where you saw the poster. Actually, let's let's go a little further back. Um, actually, not a little further back, but so I saw the HBO documentary film called The Janes, and I was so shocked that that by the way women were treated in public places. Like there was an incident in the film where I believe some of you went into a bar and you were asked to leave, and the police were called. Was that normal back then? Like women were not allowed in in public place in some public places. Well, there were there were many um, bars that mm-hmm. were uh, men only, where men thought they could let down their hair if they had any, mm. and uh, talk shop, talk mm-hmm. business, and and talk rudely about women. Um, wow. And one of these places was on State Street in Chicago, mm-hmm. where. I mean, I wasn't part of that, but there was a a uh, as a, a group of people who were trying to integrate. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is very much like civil rights, right? That um, integrating, although people might have thought it was not as important as real civil rights, the, mm. the issues that for for black people to get equal accommodations. Right. Wow. Okay, so the um, so the Chicago Women's Liberation Uni- Union uh, became well. You provided a service called the the Abortion Counseling Service of the. It became a part of the Chicago Women's Liberation Union, 
And so in that film, there were, there were doctors who were p- performing abortions. Um, there were doctors initially who performed abortions, like from the film, Dr. T.R.M. Howard, until the, the Janes started seeing, started getting some attention. And then Dr. Howard was arrested for performing abortions, and a lot of them decided to stop being involved. So was that, was that weird in a way that, you know, all of a sudden these doctors who had agreed initially to be involved then said, you know what, no, we can't do that. Um, how did you, I mean, how, how did you go from there? From what I saw, you, you found another one, another, someone named Mike, who decided to become involved and perform abortions. I mean, his code name was Dr. Kaplan. But was he? But he wasn't a natural doctor, was he? No, he wasn't. But it took a long time of working in Jane before most of us found that out. Wow. He, as he explains in in the movie, called, which is the Jane, mm-hmm. um, that he had worked as an assistant to a surgeon in Michigan. And he noticed that it wasn't that hard to do this, and probably anybody could, well, not anybody, but, you know, he could figure out how to do that. And then he, I'm really not sure how Jody Parsons first located him, Mm -hmm. but he he became our main abortionist Hmm. uh, for for a while. Right, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And also, um, what also struck me was that, you know, like, Back then, you weren't allowed to work if you were pregnant, and finding a job while pregnant was even less than possible. So in that case, if a woman got pregnant and she didn't want another child, if she was the only one providing for her family, could she get an abortion anyway, somewhere? Well, after 1970, she could if she had the means Mm. to go to New York or Colorado or California, where it had become legal. Mm -hmm. But at the time when Jane first, well, before 1970, it was impossible for anybody, much less a sophisticated and wealthy woman, to get an abortion. Occasionally, Uh uh, a sympathetic OBGYN might be convinced to help a woman, his patient, his mm. patient, ah. by by taking some uh, blood out of her arm and squirting it into her vagina and saying, go to the emergency room and tell them that you're miscarrying and ask, just only ask for me, I'm your doctor. And then that doctor would do a DNC, wow. a dilation and curatage, and uh, the woman, and probably money was passed under the under the table to wow. this doctor. Thank you very much. You saved my life, and so uh, forth. Oh my gosh! And was did you see a lot of that happening? Did you know that was happening to a lot of women who could afford it? Of course. Wow. I we were not th- those were not our clients. Our patients. Our mm-hmm. patients were really mostly uh, black and brown women in mm. Chicago, mm-hmm. um, or or young people in the suburbs who didn't have access to that. Wow. Man, many of the obstetricians and gynecologists who practiced in the suburbs were not interested at all in mm. helping young women, unmarried women. Some wow. of them didn't even believe in prescribing birth control for huh. 
un, unmarried or even married women, not, oh not part of their um, religious thoughts. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So when you became involved with Jane, what was your role? What did you do? Well, my Jane? first, yeah, the way, the way it, it worked with any new uh, volunteer mm-hmm. uh, was that you were uh, offered some uh, women who had called in mm-hmm. needing help, and you would call them back. Mm-hmm. And and say hi. This is J- this is Abby. I'm working with Jane mm. because Jane was the code word. Mm-hmm. And I understand that you're looking for some help with a situation because uh-huh. we didn't know who was listening in on their phone, right? right. Yeah. Um, would I'd be very happy to to have you come to my house, which in that case was an apartment, mm-hmm. and tell you what's available. And wow. here's my address, and, you know, can you come tomorrow at 4 o'clock or 6 o'clock, whatever it is. Wow. And then the woman would, or the girl, with or without friends, boyfriends, parents, mm-hmm. who knows, you mm-hmm. know, anybody, um, would come and I would say, um, I, I understand that you think you're pregnant. Have you had a pregnancy test? Mm-hmm. How far along do you think you are? When was your last period? Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the options you have, the choices uh, you have. Okay. Uh, you know, are you, I mean, are you interested in having a child? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Because you're in 10th grade. Well, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. know? Um, you know, uh, we have places where we can help you out and end the pregnancy. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, it's illegal mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. where we are, where we have help is very safe, mm-hmm. but we need you to know that we are trusting you mm-hmm. to not go to the police and you are trusting us right. to provide a safe medical procedure. Right. Wow. I, so I mean, then uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I mean, in in a day or two, we would give her an address in Chicago City, and she would go there, and then from there, somebody would drive her and several other people in a car to another another apartment mm-hmm. um, where Mike <laughs> would be, um, and and several of us. I mm-hmm. mean, he was never alone with a woman. Right. Um, and they would have the procedure and then go back to the first apartment and wow. be given uh, antibiotics and um, instructions. You need to go to a doctor in two weeks and, mm-hmm. and get birth control. Mm-hmm. Let's not put you in that situation again. Right. Wow. Okay. And, yeah, I thought it was interesting that you had designated names that you referred to for the women who would come to you for help. Like you had a designated like the um the front and the place and right that w- that was a way f- so nobody who was probably on the phone with them would know where to go right huh right oh my gosh okay so huh okay and uh, I'm, it, I'm like I'm trying to like figure out so when you and J- the other Janes um found out that Mike wasn't an actual doctor but he was able to perform abortions you and a few others thought that maybe you could learn how to perform abortions as well. Why did you want to do that? And, and I mean, 
was it was it hard to learn and and did, were you comfortable with that well i i think we learned piecemeal i mean first any of us learned how to give injections mm-hmm. um of ergotrate which closes down the the blood vessels so that the person wouldn't bleed too heavily mm-hmm. and then we learned how to put a speculum in mm-hmm. the vagina and then we learned how to f- locate the cervix and I mean, it was one little step after another, and there would always be one of the more advanced in her education, Jane's, Mm -hmm. with me Mm -hmm. and and Mike there, Mm -hmm. um, saying, and now you do this, and now you do this, and Uh. here's how you do that, and um, here's how you wash out the wipe out the vagina with betadine on a gauze pad. Wow. I mean, there were a number of things that we were very careful right. of. With yeah. with you know, we would also be telling the woman, "Now we're doing this. This mm. is how it's going to feel." And okay. there would be one of the Janes sitting next to her, up near her shoulders, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, holding her hand and, and talking to her okay. um, as we were going along. Wow. So um, there was always always communication between the woman and the person performing the abortion, yes. the procedure. Yes. Okay. Right. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, you asked why, why Mike was willing to teach us. Mm-hmm. I think he was probably um, tired of... Mm commuting from Los Angeles every week oh. and we were pushing as you you probably saw in a movie called Jane we mm-hmm. were pushing to lower the price mm. I mean $600 even then right. was a big amount of money for somebody either in high school or or working at it I don't know like yeah. $6 an hour minimum wage job right or right. somebody who already had kids yeah I mean it's hard to think of putting my hands on $600 right away this second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, you know, yeah, in the film, I, um, I, I, I just I found out that back in the 60s, 70s, if a woman wanted to get an abortion before Jane, um, the payment was likened to buying, like, a car, which I thought was like, oh, wow. That's like, to me, it was so demeaning in a way like you were being compared to like a Chevy a Cadillac or or a Rolls Royce so you know and then the the price for let's say a Chevy was $500 Cadillac was $750 and a Rolls Royce was $1,000 I mean like you said how could anyone even afford it back then so I I don't know because back then we had a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath apartment in the suburbs, and we were paying like uh, $135 a month. Wow. So just figure, we're now talking four months rent. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. For, for somebody. That's really that's really insane. I, I couldn't even fathom like how these women who, even if they had some money, how they could even manage to do that. Um, manage to, oof, manage to afford that. Um, so, okay, I you know I'm like really there's like so many things going in my head at the moment. Um, uh, well, so I oh my gosh, so there was a quote in the film 
from Jody Howard, which stuck with which kind of struck me, um, where she said, as far as society was concerned, we were scumbags, but we didn't feel that way. We felt that we were doing the right thing. Not only was there a need, but there was a philosophical obligation on our part, on somebody's part, to disrespect a law that disrespected women. Did you agree with right. what she said? I did. Mm. I did. But she put it so much more beautifully than I could ever do. Mm. I mean, was it always, did it always seem that women back then were just like, well, no, your role is to have babies and stay home. And if you could actually work, great. But it wasn't seen as something serious. And is that also the way it was felt about abortion? Well, I, I think back then, we'll mm-hmm. call it, mm-hmm. um, there was a myth that women didn't need to work. Mm. And yet, right. I mean, when, when one looked around, there yeah. were many, many, many women working. There were women working in restaurants. Mm-hmm. There were women working in beauty parlors. They were working as shop girls, mm-hmm. you should excuse the expression, in yeah. every department store. Yeah. Um secretaries and nurses and nurses aides and people working in uh, hospitals right. and um, skilled nursing facilities. I mean, women were working everywhere. Right. Yeah. Because they had to. This isn't like, oh, I want a new hat, so mm-hmm. I'm going to get a job. Mm-hmm. This is to put food on the table. Right. So I, I, that's why, to me, it was so mind-boggling that, you know, here is this woman who's providing or trying to provide for her family and she gets pregnant and she can't afford it and yet it's not she can't she doesn't have the choice you know to have an abortion because it's not it's illegal so I I was just like flabbergasted that you know so her choice is to not have a job (laughs) and be home but then how to provide for her family so right uh, i mean we have to think think back i'm i'm thinking of the people who are listening mm-hmm. think back to before 1973 before the supreme court ruled in the case roe versus wade mm-hmm. that it would that abortion was no longer illegal in right. all 50 states yes i mean before that it was scary yep. it was expensive mm-hmm. it was illegal and sometimes it was unsafe. Yeah. I want your listeners to ask their mothers, their aunts, maybe even their grandmothers what they remember. Mm. I mean, women did look for abortions, and they found ways to end their pregnancies. And I'm afraid now yeah. that the Supreme Court has ruled again right. to make abortion yeah. uh, up to the state legislators mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, who are... Um, maybe 75% men who've right. never had to face an unwanted pregnancy. Yeah. Um, what What's going to be? Yeah. What, what'll What'll happen to young women and poor women and black women and undocumented women? Yes. Um, yeah. Women who are still in high school. Right. Who have been subject to incest, maybe yeah. rape, maybe. Yeah. A boyfriend who says, "Oh, just this one time, you won't get pregnant." Mm-hmm. Nah, 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 nah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I'd like to go back to Jane. So, so sure. Jane. So, the women who were involved with Jane, 
You guys were, you, you ladies were doing 30 abortions three times a week. That's an awful lot. I mean, was there any point when you said, I don't think I can keep doing this, being a part of Jane and, and actually doing this? Did that ever cross your mind? No, mm. I was, I was, um, we had, we had a number of Janes. We didn't work five days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, some Ruth or, or Madeline would make up a schedule and say, can you work on, on a Wednesday and Thursday, or can you work on Friday and Saturday? Ah, um, okay. and I was commuting from the suburbs, so I was driving in mm-hmm. uh, in rush hour traffic. That was no picnic either. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think after 1970, after it became legal, especially in New York, you know, Colorado, California, mm-hmm. our caseload, if you want to call it, changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. We had almost, I, I won't say exclusively, but we had many, many more African-American women and girls Mm. because uh, any, uh, I'm going to say it this way, a white woman who had access to some money, who had the the kind of understanding that she could make a reservation on an airplane, go to New York, have an abortion, come back, Mm -hmm. um, it it was a possibility that, that just wasn't the kind of thing that a black woman living on the west side of Chicago or on the south side had ever mm-hmm. considered. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, I could make a reservation on a plane and, and yeah. go. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Okay. Um. That. That. It, yeah. It's. It really is a huge gap there. Um. Okay. So in May third, on May third, nineteen seventy-two. The place where Jane had been performing abortions was raided, and you and a few others were arrested for performing illegal abortions. Um, can you share that story with me, how that came about? And were you surprised when you were arrested? Oh, we were. Yeah. We, had, we, had, we knew that, that the police knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you couldn't. You, you couldn't ignore. We had signs up all mm-hmm. over the place and advertisements mm-hmm. in the local newspapers. Pregnant called Jane. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the phone number. Right. Yeah. You know, there, it, it wasn't a, a secret. Right. But, but that one day, I think in, in the, uh, the Janes, the mm-hmm. police sergeant who was, this, I thought he was this, a riot in, in the film. We mm-hmm. didn't think he was a riot back then. Right. But... Uh, they followed a car with five women or six women in it, mm-hmm. and it, um, parked in the parking lot of this high-rise mm-hmm. on Seventy Third and, and Lakeshore Drive in Chicago. Uh-huh. And they followed followed up the elevator and knocked on the door. You know, they went in, mm-hmm. and <laughs> the best part was them screaming, "Where's the doctor? Where's uh-huh. the doctor?" Uh-huh. Well, there were. <laughs> There was there were Janes, right. but there was yeah. no doctor. That's funny. So, oh, wow. yeah, it was very very scary actually wow. um, to have I don't know five or six big giant Chicago police officers come in and mm. and the women who were our clients, our patients, were right. scared to death because some of them, of course, had not told their families oh, where they wow. were going that day. Right. And all sorts of things happened. Oh, so so they put us all 
like 15 people wow. in, into paddy wagons. Uh. Um, we were uh, handcuffed together, like wow. my left my left hand onto somebody else's right hand, like oh a, a daisy chain. Oh my god! And then, and then the the usual kind of thing where they separated us into little rooms and, mm. and what were you doing? Where, who? What's your name? Where, where, I mean, the whole thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Uh, so, so you wound up in in being arrested and, and going into prison. Um, the Janes had a hard time finding the right lawyer until someone named, uh, from the film, I saw a woman named Mary Leaner, Lee, oh, I'm not sure if I'm saying her na- her last name correctly, called on Joanne Wolfson now to represent you. What did you think of her? And was her, was her what was her tactic in order to try to get you off? Well, we we had interviewed a number of white men in the fancy law school law firms in mm-hmm. Chicago, and and they wanted nothing to do with us. I mean, seven oh, women troop into an office and they say, "What well, can can we help you?" Yeah, we've been arrested for abortions, and mm. I mean, even the word abortion is like this. You know, you don't yeah. say that in public. Right. Um, right. Right. So so. Um, when we went to talk to Joanne, mm-hmm. she was, she she was very flashy, mm. um, dressed and and very um, blunt and tough, mm-hmm. and it did take a while for her to understand what had been going on, mm-hmm. and and she told us a little bit about her her life up until then Mm -hmm. she had been a defense attorney and that's exactly what we needed right um she very quickly found that found out that the case roe versus wade was making its way into and up to the supreme court Uh and her tactic was to delay Uh so she filed every time we showed up in court Uh she filed a motion to dismiss a motion Uh to suppress evidence a motion to that the law was illegal, a motion to this and that and the other thing. Wow. Um, and it worked. Uh-huh. I mean, from from May all the way around to the following January, uh-huh. I mean, I, she knew this. We didn't know this. Right, right. <laughs> you know, wow. That, that the, the case had been heard and they were making a decision. Right, yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. So how did you feel so, when you were freed and when you found out about the Supreme Court decision? Well, they announced uh, in the morning mm-hmm. on January twenty second, nineteen seventy three. They announced right. the decision, yeah. and it was just a tremendous relief. Mm. I mean, the prospect of spending ten years in a penitentiary, oh not gosh. just a jail. Right? You know, you're jailed when you're arrested, but yeah. a penitentiary is serious business. Yep. Um, was not fun. Wow. We, I had been talking with my husband Peter about moving to Canada. I wasn't mm-hmm. going to go to jail for 10 years. I mean, mm-hmm. just the prison for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but wow. it, it was it was a good day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you would have been you would have been in in prison for 10 years? Yeah, until I was 30. Holy cow. Right, till I was 37 or 38. That oh would have been gosh. not good. No, not at all. Oh wow. <laughs> Well, I am so glad that, you know, that Joanne got you out and, you know, got all of you out and, uh, you know, that Roe v. Wade definitely 
Wow, but but again, here we go. So June 24th, 2022, Roe versus Wade, it was overturned. Um, right. How did you feel when you heard about that? And were you surprised or or not? Well, you know that um, somebody had leaked the draft mm. of the decision in May of last year, 2022. Mm-hmm. So we were afraid. Yep starting then, mm-hmm. that that the draft was the way it was going to go. Yeah. And people were already um, organizing to find clinics in states that, that where it was legal. I mean, it was still legal in New York. Yes. And it would be, we hope, yeah. for the rest yeah. of, of everyone's natural life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so on... Um, June 24th, it was just such a, a hard blow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. these these uh, six Republican nominees on, mm-hmm. on the Supreme Court, these justices clearly don't know how to walk in other people's shoes. Mm-hmm. They don't mm-hmm. understand how devastating an unintended, unwanted pregnancy is yeah. for a grown-up woman, an right. adult woman, much right. less a high school kid, yeah. or somebody who's just starting college, right. or or a woman who wants to go to law school. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. And I was gonna, and I was actually gonna say, and even if it happened to one of their kids or grandkids, they had access. They have access, right? So right. It, it it wouldn't really affect them as much as it would affect the rest of this country <laughs> the rest of the 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 other the rest of the population that can't have access that don't have access right. yeah oh i mean do you think it'll so, be as bad as it was in the 60s i mean i'm hoping not but i mean what do you think well i think because of the internet mm-hmm. a young woman i'm going to i'm going to focus on young women but mm-hmm. A young woman can look up something called I need an abortion or mm-hmm. I need an A mm-hmm. or plan C mm-hmm. or abortion access right. or how to find a clinic. Right. And Illinois is is like a bright star in the middle of, in the middle of the country. It's legal and accessible mm-hmm. in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, Colorado again, the whole I was going to say the whole East Coast, but really stopping at Virginia. Mm-hmm. So from mm-hmm. Delaware all the way up through Maine, we're right. okay here. Yeah. Um, and there are groups that are collecting money mm-hmm. to uh, provide bus fare or yeah. child care or uh-huh. overnight hotel. You know, come. You can stay in my house while you go for an abortion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean that kind of yeah. that kind of networking right um helps helps a lot it just you know if if you live on a farm in northern montana mm-hmm. where are you going to go yeah i mean if you're if you're a like <sighs> I, you know you're yeah. a farm worker right in in idaho well yeah. you could hop over the mountains to washington state or oregon but it's not that easy yeah no. And and if you don't really speak English right. and you're afraid to ask yep. for help. Yeah. I, I just Yeah. It's it's disheartening. <laughs> I know. It's it's really disheartening. Um 
So, so towards the end of the film, one scene really got to me. It was when Diane was holding the index cards of the women you helped, and she said, I'm glad we could help them, but they should never have had to go through it. And I feel like we're, we're, we're not in that space, thank goodness. We're not back all the way back, but it seems like that's something that could happen again, you know, if we're not careful. And I mean, I, I was blown away that you had you that Jane has helped um, over eleven thousand women get abortions in Chicago until um, until Roe v. Wade, and I think that mm-hmm. was that's really amazing. But you know, it's like so we're we're now now Roe v. Wade is overturned, and now we're trying to make sure that that does not have to be the case. Um, but how can we, I mean, you, you cited some examples, which is really amazing. I love the examples you, you mentioned. Um, but again, it goes back to, well, you know, what else can we do, you know? Well, from, from our point of, you know, from where we stand, mm-hmm. there are groups, as I said, like abortionfunds.org mm-hmm. and abortionfinder.org and plancpills.org mm-hmm. that are collecting money. So anybody who feels like they would like to yeah. um, send some money, that's where they need to look up. Okay. The other thing is we need to vote. Bah, we need yep. to vote for yep. people who are pro-choice, for mm-hmm. people who are going to support women's reproductive rights. Right. And we need to register everybody. You have to make sure that every one of your friends and relatives um, are registered to vote. Mm-hmm. And even even mm-hmm. young people who will be turn 18 by Election Day, whatever Election Day in which year it is, right. they can vote on Election Day providing that they have registered. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's up to us to take mm-hmm. some responsibility for keeping it legal and safe right. in the states where it is and maybe helping to elect better people in the states where it's not yeah. legal anymore or it's very restricted. I mean, six weeks, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, yeah. not everybody even thinks that they might be pregnant by right. six weeks. Right. Yeah. So. Well, thank you for that. Okay, so Abby, who would you credit for where you are now? Well, I had I had some older women who were role models for me. Mm-hmm. Um, several several I had met in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Lucia Glass, who was an RN and mm. had lived in the Times before. Roe versus Wade mm-hmm. um, worked in hospitals, knew what it was like when some a woman was brought in by ambulance, hemorrhaging. Wow. She and she and I worked setting up and running a Planned Parenthood clinic in the suburbs where we lived. Oh, wow. Where, as I had said, there were doctors who didn't believe in birth control, and yeah. so Planned Parenthood uh, helped teenagers and grown-ups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I keep saying grown ups, you know what I mean, adult women. Yes. yes. Um obtain birth control. Right. Um my my friend Charlotte Lichterman here in Huntington uh showed me how important it was to be a feminist, a spouse, a mom mm. and a um progressive 
for her whole life, hmm. um, working to make things better in, in this in this world. Right. Um, Jane Jane Heckman in the Chicago suburbs ha- was also a Barnard graduate. Mm. Of course, I didn't know her. She was 25 years older than I. Mm-hmm. Um, she encouraged me to be part of the YWCA, not the YMCA. Mm-hmm. Um, and the YW worked on daycare and against rape and wow. on many women's issues, job training, and just a whole host of women's issues that are important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so I had, and, and Barbara Strong and here in Suffolk County, she was director of Planned Parenthood of Suffolk County and just a wonderful role model, again, mm-hmm. for staying active, staying, being smart, taking mm-hmm. the right road all the time. Okay. So those are people I, I think of fondly mm-hmm. um, who showed me how to be a feminist and an activist. Um, wow. And not give up. Yeah. So what are your goals for the community you're involved in? Well, you know, if I ran the zoo, (laughs) (laughs) I would would make housing and education more equitable. Mm -hmm. I would would work harder, as I try to do Mm -hmm. now, Mm -hmm. on on stopping climate change. Yeah. Um I I worry I worry a lot about um what what the heat and cold and rain and floods and fires are going to do in in my grandchildren's and hope eventually great-grandchildren's lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's the biggest menace aside from the kinds of totalitarian um, governments that yeah. seem to be cropping up, not just in Europe, but right. we had we had four years of a, mm. a, an almost dictator in this country. Yes, yes, for sure. And um, wow. it's, uh, people people fall back on fear, mm. um, and, and they're easily um, told that they should be afraid of moving forward and change. Hmm. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, okay. So, if there, if anyone wanted to know more about you, um, your work with um, Jane and the HBO documentary, The Janes, how would one go about it? Um, I think I I gave you my email address. Mm-hmm. They can mm-hmm. they can email me. There's um, I'm on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, they can ask me civilized questions. Mm, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I I do a number of speaking engagements. I just totaled them up. I'm I'm over a dozen at the moment. Wow! And um, I'm I'm That's willing wonderful. to come and and talk to groups okay. if people want. Okay. Um, That's wonderful. I I, I had a a small profile in Bust magazine, B-U-S-T, mm-hmm. um, and in the Barnard Alumni magazine. Okay. So I'm not I'm not a shrinking violet. <laughs> I do I do wish we 
we, the Janes, because all of my Jane sisters are, are out there talking to groups and, and being interviewed. Mm-hmm. Most of them live in Chicago, but, mm. um, you know, we're, we're available. Okay. And That's great. Thank you. And so is there anything you would like to say to my listeners? I would like your listeners to understand that women can be active and progressive and can take charge of their own lives Mm. and need, need to teach them to their, to their potential children or their actual children that, that women are full human beings. Mm. Thank you for that. And if you could go back in time, you know, what, what advice would you give would you give your younger self? <sighs> or it, okay, so another question is, if you, if you had one thing to change that you wish you had done years ago, would there be one? Mm, I'm pretty happy with... <laughs> I, I know that I'm not answering your question no, it's very okay. well. That's okay. Um... There's no wrong answer. <laughs> I, I think I I think I would have studied harder in college. Mm. Okay. How's that? Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, no, that's fine. Um, but Abby, thank you, thank you for for agreeing to say yes, agreeing to come on the show, and I would have to thank our mutual friend Anu for introducing me to you, <laughs> for connecting us, um, and. I was really blown away by the HBO documentary, The Janes, and all the work that you and your other Jane sisters have done. And like, thank you for doing that. Um, and thank you for, for not giving up, you know, on all these women um, who needed your help. And I, I, I'm just like blown away by your, you know, by your story and... Um, and what you had to go through to keep going, you know, and, and I was, I was like, holy cow, it's like really like, you know, um, the fact that you were, that you would advertise your services in, in plain sight, but you still had code names, I thought was really cool. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> because, you know, like you really didn't want, to, I mean, yes, it was in plain sight, but you had to keep your clients safe you're the women safe so I so appreciated that so thank you so much for all that you and and the other Janes have done to make sure that women had safe abortions you know and were were really taken care of I really really appreciate that and I'm so honored that you came on my show um and you know I Hopefully, you know, we don't have to resort back to that. I'm hoping not. I, I mean, when, you know, Roe v. Wade was overturned, my daughter, whom I, I, I love deeply, she was one of those young women who went and marched in front of, um, oh my gosh, one of the city halls. And she was... You know, she was interviewed on on News 12 and she wasn't even asking to be like to be (laughs) spoken to, but she did. And, you know, she really 
wanted to make sure that her voice and so many of her friends who were there, there they that they they were active, that you know it's not just it, that it it definitely affected every woman. So, you know, and thank you for for what you've done to make sure that you know women then um, were taken care of. You're welcome, and I'm delighted to hear that that your daughter and hopefully her peer group will take up the banners mm-hmm. because yeah. you know those those of us who've been doing this for more than 50 years, <clears throat> we're happy to keep doing it as yeah. long as we can, but right. we need the waves of young women after yep. us to keep keep the fires going. Yes, for sure. Thank you so much for, for coming on and for being so generous with your time. Um, and with that, um, have a great day, and I'll talk to you soon. That's our show for today. I've posted more information about Abby Pariser on RevWoman.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in every Thursday for another episode of Revolutionary Woman. You can listen to Revolutionary Woman on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Just a little note, I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash revwoman.